Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. You know, we've been, uh, times that we're living in, I was looking at uh, the news the other day. I try just to kind of catch it briefly. I found that you can watch it and uh, then skip about three weeks unless something major happens and uh, you, you'll be all caught up again. It doesn't, you know, it's a lot of repetition on what's going on. And, uh, and if you watch it much, uh, you you'll can uh, say this for sure with me that uh, there's a lot of talk about inflation. You know, inflation, inflation, inflation. It's eight point something percent right now since the beginning of the first of the year. Then you've got to deal with uh, interest rates on credit cards going up all the time and uh, economy this and economy that. And then you've got all the, it's going to be, we're entering into a recession. Nobody knows how great the recession is going to be, but we're entering into it. You know, and then you hear all the stuff about the supply chain is down. We got uh, this unemployment things. We got people crossing the borders. We got, got, got. And by the time you get through listening to it, you want to go climb under your bed like a dog in a thunderstorm. It's like, you know, this is just way beyond where I need to be. And so we uh, understand that this type of everyday bombardment, whether it be from the news media, whether it's from the Internet, whether it's from people that, at the water cooler at work, you're constantly having people say things and you're hearing things, and it affects the way you think. It affects the way you think. Because now all of the things that you're hearing, you're having to filter through your mind. Okay, what is this? Is it true? And even if it is true, is it in alignment with what God's Word says? And so it's, it's a constant thing going on, and you have to filter the things that are, being, that are taking place on the earth, and you filter it through the Word of God. What does God's Word say? Yeah, I know that that's what's happening here, but what did God say? Because if you don't do that, then you're just going right along with the flow of whatever the earth is doing, and that's not a good place to be. Amen? But how many of you know if you've even closed yourself off and said, you know, I'm not going to watch any of this media. I'm not going to read any more of it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to listen to anybody talk about this stuff. I'll just walk away. How many of you know that you're still going to hear it? Let me tell you how you'll hear it. You'll hear it when you pull up out there at the gas pump and you start pumping that fuel. And when you get through and it goes click, click, and you're rounding it off and you round off and you look and it says $100.99. It just spoke to you, didn't it? Didn't nobody get on the little TV screen there at the gas station and say, hope told you, didn't I? Nobody said a word, but it spoke to you. But that's way more than what you used to pay. And the reason being that we have to guard ourselves is because we can cut all this other off, but just go grocery shopping. And you pick up that box of cereal that used to be X amount of money, and now you, it's $4 and something for a box of cereal. And God forbid if you go to the meat department. And it's like, wow. And I know that these things happen. You know, it, things are speaking to you, and I've, I've ministered it before that everything has a voice. 
the grocery stores, the, the food, the, everything will speak to you like, man, this is outrageous. I don't know if we can afford this. We, you know, all these things will speak to you. And I learned about 40 years ago that signs talk to you. And we were living in this place. We were renting a house over in Prattville, and Peter was about to be born. And uh, we were coming up on that, that time and, and fixed the nursery all up and got the, everything was ready. And the people come out that owned the house and put a for sale sign up in the front yard. And it spoke to me. It says, what are you going to do now? Well, y'all going to have to move. You're fixing to have a baby, and you're going to have to move. The nursery you just fixed up, guess what? You're out. And it began to speak to me all the time. And it spoke to me because it was in the front yard. So first thing I saw when I left to go to work was what? You're going to have to move. Where's God at now? First thing I saw when I came home was, guess what? You're going to have to move. And it spoke to me all the time. And it was summertime, so guess what? Or, or getting close to the summertime part of it uh, and at that, in that time because he's born in July, and I'm out there cutting grass, and so I got to cut the grass, and I got to walk by, back and forth past this sign, and it, every single time I turn around, I'm looking at that sign, and it kept speaking to me, and it didn't say for sale. It says you're going under. You're not going to find another house. You're not going to do this, and it just kept on. Where's your witness at now? What are you going to tell people now? It just constantly kept speaking to me, and that's what the gas pumps are doing to people today. That's what the meat department's doing at the stores. That's what, and we're hearing this, but yet we're not really putting it together, but it's speaking to you. It's, it's being filtered through your thinking. And we've got to be aware that this is going on. You may find yourself a little on the edgy side because you haven't filtered it through properly and hadn't brought closure to these thoughts that keeps coming to your mind of what are you going to do now? Where's God at now? How come this is happening? Why is this taking place in my life? And uh, I learned that I had to change what that sign said. I wanted to go and snatch it up and hide it behind some bushes. But I knew that wouldn't be right. And besides that, they'd probably find it and put it back out there in the front yard. I had to change what it said. And what I did was instead of it saying to me, you're going under, I had to say, God has another place for me. He has handpicked it. He has set this thing up way before the people ever decided to buy the house, sell the house. He had already been preparing another place for me. I had to change what it said because my God loves me. This didn't catch him off guard. He knew all of this and was taking care of it when I didn't even know it even was a possibility. So then, and it had gotten so bad that I had to close the doors on that side of the house because when you walk down the hallway, every time you went by a room, Guess what? There was a window there, and it looked out, and you could see that sign. It didn't matter which room you went by, whether it was the dining room, the living room, or, the, or that little bedroom. There was a window there that looked out there, and you could see that sign. So guess what? I opened all those doors back up when I changed what the sign was really saying. That is, is God's got a place for me. God is a faithful God. And I had to change that. in my. I had to filter it out, what the sign was saying to me, in accordance to what does God's word say about me. Are you hearing me? And so when we're going through things like that, you know, we, we look and we say, you know, the, where the Bible says, Jesus said in Romans 
I mean, uh, it says it in Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's the truth. You're going to hear, faith will come. And it comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. Say hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come because you heard it one time. It comes because of a continual hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you may hear it this morning, but if you'll take that, what you've heard this morning, and allow Holy Spirit to talk to you about it all week long, that's called meditating on the Word, and you'll be hearing it over and over and over, and He will personalize that hearing of the Word and make it become part of your life, where you're living and what you are experiencing and going through at work, at the grocery store or wherever else, and what else is going on in your life, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing about it, Holy Spirit custom makes it for where you are. And you know what happens? Now your faith is there. It's not something you just heard one time. But you realize this? That's how, there's a truth, and it works that way. Well, you know what? If faith comes by hearing, how does fear come? It comes by hearing also. Fear comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the world. Inflation, 8.6. Recession, going to be a big one. Unemployment's going to go up. Supply chains, all, I mean, it's going to go on and on and on and on. Gas prices, politicians, thieves, all of these things will continue. That's what you'll hear. And fear will come and it will grip your heart. Fear will come and you'll just want to ignore it and act like it didn't happen. Maybe we can just, just wish this all away and all that kind of thing. Then there's a part of it that we have to recognize and the Holy Spirit will talk to us about and share with us and say, these are things that are taking place and here's how I want you to, to conduct your life and how I want you to think about it. Number one, yes, filter it with my word. But know that some of these things will take place. These things have been set into motion. But it doesn't have to have an effect on your life. These things may be set in motion, but it doesn't have to affect you. And you have to recognize that and understand, okay, this is, this is a truth. God's word is not going to change just because the world has gone crazy. You may have to do things that may uh, be a little different. Or you might have been just getting by just because it was just every day. You may now have to start calling those things that be not as though they are. In other words, start actually doing what the Word of God's telling you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm just thrilled as you are this morning. Come on. But whatever you give your ear to, it matters. It really matters. How many of you real, uh, know, uh, we'll just go ahead and open up in... Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Um, Y'all remember that that's where we find the story of the, the, of the parable there that Jesus spoke about the sower and the seed. And he says, the sower soweth the word. So let me get over there to that. And uh, that's a good place to go. And he says, to start with, he said, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, in verse 4, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the earth, air came and devoured it. Now, he went to explain this parable, and in verse 10 it says, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him of the parable. They said, Jesus, 
we want to you to expand on this. We want to explain it to us. And he said unto them, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. How many of you know it's, it's for you to know this mystery? Not to hear about it, but to know it. To have it down inside to where you have a, a good understanding that this is a mystery of heaven and it works and it's going to work for everybody whether they understand it or not. It still works. And he says, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. He said, seeing, they may see, but they'll not perceive. And hearing, they may hear, but not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said to them, he says, know ye not this parable? And how with them will you know any other parable if you can't understand this one? He said, the sower, being the Lord, soweth the word. He's talking about sowing a seed, and inside the seed, we know, is life. Every single seed has life within it. Here he says, the sower soweth the word, and that word, the word of God, has life in it. Amen? How many of you know that those words that the media is spelling out, and presidential candidates, and all the public, and everybody else, those are words, and they contain life as well. It may be death, you know what I'm saying, on the negative side of life that cause you to live in darkness, but nevertheless it is containers because all words are containers. Yes. And he says here, he said, the sower soweth the word, and that word contains life. And that seed, the life that's inside of it, has the potential to yield a maximum yield of harvest. They don't make seeds with life in them and say, well, now this particular life, we're only going to give them 30-fold life. There is no 30-fold seed. There's no such thing as 60-fold seed. There's no such thing as 90-fold seed. It's only 100-fold seed, which is maximum yield of harvest. You don't go to the store and get a discount at the feed store and say, well, I don't really need 100 ears of corn off of everything. Just give me, uh, give me the 30 seed, 30-fold seed. It must be on sale. No. The seed has got the life in it, and it's going to produce, but the ground that it goes into has everything to do with a production or with, a, with the uh, outcome of the, of the life of that seed. And every... Not only does the ground have something to do with it, but the environment that which it's in has everything to do with it. And the Lord says here that the sower soweth the seed, his word, and he sows it into you. Now, you'll have to decide what kind of ground you are. But here, he's saying that the soil here was the wayside soil. And the wayside soil is hard-packed ground. Now, we used to have horses. We lived out in the country, and I'd grab out, go out there and grab up one and saddle him up and go out for rides through the cotton fields and so forth. And around all of the fields, there was what was known as wayside soil. That's where the big trucks came through. They had the seed, where the tractors drove through. It was always on the perimeter all the way around the fields, and it was packed down. And that's where the, the, the fertilizer trucks came in. And that's where the, when they sprayed pesticides and all that, that was always packed down. Now, there'd be some seeds that would fall into that area, but none of them really took root and grew. Why? Because it was wayside ground. It was packed. 
it was hard as, as, as a street. So seed may fall there and get in a little bit of dirt, and it may come up a little bit, but it'll never make a crop because it was in the wayside. Most of that seed that fell upon that ground never made it at all. I'd take the horse, and I'd ride those fields, and I would ride the perimeter, that wayside soil. You know, I would ride that. And you could look down, and you could see it after they had seeded. Yep, yep, there's seed out here. And you know what else you'd see? You'd find the birds out there eating that seed. It didn't make it into the ground. Jesus said here, and they, the sower sowed the seeds, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their heart. That wayside ground, it's real, it's, it's ground, it can be productive, but it's not. There's been lots of words spoken by a lot of people that are good words, and the words are full of life. But if they don't come into alignment with God's word, the, 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 the environment, the, 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 the tilling of the soil and all, then it's not going to produce. And when a person hears the word of God and they receive it, or, or they don't receive it right under, or understand it right away, then they'll end up forfeiting what God's word says because Satan will see to it that somehow he sends birds to eat that seed before it can take root. It's a whole lot easier for him to destroy uh, that word and keep your land barren because he sends something along that will take away the opportunity for growth. And that's what's happening even today. God is doing things on planet Earth, and at the same time, if you're not careful, things that you hear every single day is having an effect upon your life. It is, having, it, is, it is saying, no, this is what's real. Yeah, it's okay to go to the church house on Sunday and hear them talk that. It's okay to amen. It's okay to even talk about things of God with your neighbors. But the reality is, is we're going into a recession. The reality is, is gas prices are going to continue to rise. This is going to happen, and people are going to still keep shooting each other. And that's what they want you to hear. Why? Because that is, that's the way the world is going. But the Word says, this is what God says. And we have to filter out, maybe the whole world is doing these things. Gas prices will go up. This will take place or whatever. But my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I'm not just a citizen of the United States. I am first a citizen of heaven. And you've got to recognize that and know that yourself. I'm not just an American citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven. And not only am I a citizen of heaven, all of heaven backs me being here. All of heaven backs it. All the angels in heaven are for me being here. They're at my disposal when I call upon them and ask for help. And I speak the word of God. Our angels hearken to hear the word of the Lord and go and do it. Whether it came out of my mouth or whether it came out of the mouth of God, it was His Word, and they hearkened to do His Word. We've got to realize that all the resources of heaven is at our disposal. The Bible says the kingdom has no end. You'll never be able to withdraw so much that it, they're saying, look, 
our supply chains are going down. Y'all going to have to back off a little bit, slow down a little bit. You're going to have to sit home a little bit. You can't do this because the supply chain is going down up here as well. We're having a shortage. There is no shortages there. When this gets settled in your heart, and it doesn't happen overnight, it's not going to happen because you heard it this morning. It'll only start working in your life and become real in your life when you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and you hear it and you meditate on it and you begin to see your life operating the way God desires and, and commands it to operate. It's not going to happen because you heard it sometime, one time. It may not hear it if you, happen in your life if you hear it every week for six years until you become personal with that word and come into alignment with what God said. It's not going to be real. It's real, but you'll not walk in the reality of it. How about that? And we have to recognize that. Uh, and I don't like being buried. So here it was the other week. I'm pumping gas. I'm going, you know, and I knew the gas prices were, and I just keep on filling up. And it hit $100.99 and went click. And I looked at it. And I didn't think, man, I'm going to have to slow down. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I should have just put a half a tank. Maybe I should have done this. Or what am I going to do? How am I going to cut back? I didn't even think that. Didn't flinch at all. Matter of fact, I spoke a truth. And that was this. I spoke to the gas pump. I'll be back. Because I'm going to burn every bit of this out. And if the price goes up, I'll pay it. You say, well, that's being cocky. No, you're doing it anyway. You just don't like it. You still run it all out, and you still complained about it, but you still did it. I was being honest about it. I, I'm going to burn it all out, and I'll come back and get more. You see, I faced what it was, what it was going on. It was trying to talk to me. And I'm telling it the truth. I will burn every bit of it out, and I will come back and buy more. Well, didn't you? Didn't you go back and buy more? At a higher price, right? Yeah. So we can't run hide from this stuff. We have to speak back to it. We tell it, you, you're hearing all of this. Either you're going to listen to it, or you can hear what God has to say about it. But you're going to have to do one or the other. You see, Satan wants to come immediately. And this is where we need to understand that the most important thing is he doesn't waste any time. He doesn't, you know, kind of beat around the bush. Sometimes new believers believe that since they've now given their life to the Lord, they're never going to face opposition again. The truth of the matter is they hadn't been facing opposition all along. Why would the devil ever bother you? You were already on your way to hell. All you were doing was reaping all the stuff you've been sowing and your lifestyle. But when you do start living for the Lord, now you're in opposition to him. And he will come against you. So you have to recognize, okay, I have a devil who's opposing me, and he's opposing me because I'm a threat to his kingdom now. Because I'm a child of a different kingdom. So I'm a threat to him, so now he's going to oppose me. And we, we have to realize that he's doing this immediately so he can steal the word that is sown in your heart. Jesus went and... In this same parable, uh, but in Matthew's gospel in chapter 13, he said the word understand uh, says that anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. 
That's when Satan will come. The word understanding means you didn't comprehend what he said. Why is it we didn't comprehend what he said? Because we didn't take the time to meditate on it. We heard it. We said, yep, that's right. But we didn't comprehend it. We didn't stick with it. We didn't seek him about it. And it says that the wicked one will come and catch away that word that's sown. Well, how does he go about doing that? Well, he'll use people to do it mainly. He'll use people to steal the word that's sown in your heart. They're not going to say, well, you just went out of that church. Them people at the church, that's just church talk. No, he'll use them through the TV or some other kind of way. They'll not oppose God, but they'll just plant a different seed. They'll be planting what they think. And it goes on and on. Satan will use pain. I mean, if you know that pain has a way of talking to you as well. Yeah, pain causes you to sit down, hurt, go to the doctor, spend money you didn't want to spend, all kinds of things. Pain will do it. Yeah. It, and, you know, the pain is it's there. Lack will talk to you. Lack talked to Marcia and I for a long time. It was almost like he was part of our family. If I had a dog, I could have named it Lack. The weather will talk to you. How many of you know that it, it rained here three times Friday? It didn't rain at my house. I'm four miles up the road. Marsha calls and says, is it raining there yet? And I said, nope, no, I'm out here cutting grass. Really? It's pouring down here. I'm talking about buckets of water coming sideways, you know? Stuff you'd see on TV, you know, with a news reporter would be, you know, one of those deals, you know? I'm out there walking around pushing the lawnmower. She said, it's not raining there? Nope, not raining here. And we got a good one yesterday. Three times it rained hard here Friday. Four miles away, it didn't rain at all. I, hope, I trust that by now everybody's gotten some rain. But he'll use the weather to, to talk to you. It's not going to rain. It's, it's, you know, that preacher down there done called a, a, a drought or something, you know. Bill Horn told me the other day, he said, it's been 20-something days, we haven't got any rain. Like, well, you're not talking right. You need to go tell them clouds, you know, to not withhold your moisture anymore. You want your rain. He just laughed. I said, well, you want me to come up here and dance or something? Or what, what, do, you want, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Whatever Satan can do to convince you that the word of God is not true, he'll try to send and he will try to talk to you. You see, the Bible says that Hebrews 11 one says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things that we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So your fear that you're having to deal with is an assurance. People look and say, well, I'm fearful of this. It's assuring you that God's word's not right. That fear. Hmm. That pain in your back is saying, there's your evidence. God's word isn't true. Your lack is your confirmation number that you're never going to get what God said you could have. And your anxiety, well, that's your title deed. And we live too much by those things our fear, the pain, the lack, and anxiety, instead of what does God's word say. We put our faith in that. We're not discounting that the fact that you're hurting in your back. 
You know, we're not, we're not saying that it's not true. We're not saying that that pain's not real. We're saying that there's a God that's our healer, and we're going to him. Whether we go to a doctor or not, he's still our healer, and we're going to be healed. We're going to be made whole. You see, you have to have more faith in God's word than the faith of your senses, of your five physical senses. Amen? And so as we uh, are living in the days that we're living in, we have to, to, to grab a hold of this. Last week I made mention, and we're going to go there for a little bit this morning, and uh, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, starting in verse 19. I made some statements that I, uh, some people was like, man, I like that. I'm glad you said what you had to say about that. And I'm like, I hadn't even scratched the surface yet. Because we need to understand that if the world is going through an economic mess up right now, that it affects all of us. So either we're going to listen to them all the time, or we're going to listen to what God says. And then last week, the Lord told me, he says, uh, he said, you know, my people are sitting around telling me all the stuff they got going on of the inflation and, and gas prices. That's what I'm hearing them talk about. Interest rates. Recession. That's what, what, that's what my people are talking about. Instead of talking about what they've stored up in heaven. And I'm like, what are you saying, Lord? And he said, well, go over there and look. So here in Chapter 6, starting in verse 19, he said, Lay not up for yourselves, and say this with me, yourselves, treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves wealth or treasures, things that you put value on, upon the earth. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. Now, we know that he says in his word also that a good man, do we have any good men here this morning? I got my hand up. says, we'll leave an inheritance to his children's children. That'd be to my grandchildren. You can't do that if you're not putting anything up. What are you going to leave them? So he's not saying don't put money in the bank. But he's getting to a point here about where your treasure is is where your heart is. Okay? He says here, he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures or your wealth upon the earth where moth, will change that to inflation, and rust, will change that to interest rates, doth corrupt. Now, Christmas time, somebody gave me a $100 bill, and I took it, and I folded it up, and I put it behind in a certain place in my wallet. And it's still there today, hid for Marcia. And that $100 at Christmas was worth, I could buy $100 worth of stuff, okay? Here it is, seven months later, I could only get $90 worth of stuff with it. Same $100. Why? Well, because moth and rust corrupted it. Hmm. And we're thieves. We're not going to change that to politicians, don't, don't worry. <laughs> It says, where thieves break through and steal. There's things that can happen here upon planet Earth. It will decay. It will rust. It will break down. How many of you know that nobody 
goes and buys a new car thinking it's going to last forever. There's an awareness within each one of us that knows that when we buy that new car, that one day, probably in about six months to nine months, that new car smell's gone. Okay? We know that after a certain amount of miles, guess what's going to happen? It will begin to start breaking down. You will have to buy a water pump. You will have to get new tires. You're going to have to get new windshield wiper blades. This is going to happen, and that's going to happen. And things are just going to happen because they don't design them to last forever. It is of this world, and it will break down. The only thing that failed to break down very quickly was Sears and Roebuck Kenmore freezers from 45 to 50 years ago. Those suckers are still working. A lot of them probably used for bank, uh, uh, boat anchors right now, but they were heavy duty. You couldn't tear them up. Marsha and I bought a washing machine when we first got married, and it's probably still working somewhere because they used to make things to last, but they don't do that anymore, and it's an awareness within all of us that this is going to happen. Cars are going to break down, and you'll spend an enormous amount of money knowing that in by the time the warranty runs out, you will have this thing being worked on. On my truck, I, 40, I think 43,000 miles, the water pump went out. I've had vehicles that the water pump never went out, and it was over 200,000 miles on it. But you know what? It happens today. Things happen. They're not made to last. And we understand this. The same with uh, clothes. You may, you know, when you buy clothes, they will go out of style. You may still be wearing them, but they're still, they've, they've gone out of style. Things break down. Appliances break down. Things happen. And it's because the earth, there's a decaying, there's a breaking down always of things here. Now, he said here, but verse 20, but lay up for who? Come on, let's read it together. But lay up for who? Yourselves. Didn't say lay it up for somebody else. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Put some money up in heaven. Well, how do you go about doing that? We'll get to that in a few minutes. But he said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where inflation and where interest rates and where other things can't corrupt it and people steal from it. It's not going to lose value. If anything, it will retain its value or gain value. And we'll see in God's Word that some things that you put investments in, uh, into the, your treasures and you put it into heaven, it gains a hundredfold return. Mm. That's a lot better than the interest rates at the bank. But he says, lay it up. Lay it up for yourself. There's things that's there. Now, Marcia and I made mention of this last week, that we lived there a long time. We lived with, we would do what we're supposed to be doing. We're making, we're paying our, you know, bills. We're doing all we're doing. But we're making investments into, into the kingdom of God. We are doing what? We're tithing. We're giving. We're doing all these things. And I'd be in there and like, now, Lord, here's my checkbook. Or I didn't say it that way. I, I said, Lord, here's our checkbook. Because it said, I looked at it as his checkbook and my checkbook. If I'm in covenant with him, it's partly his book too. And I'd show him, so you see the balance here? Now, I can't see the balance of yours, and I'm glad it don't matter because I know he's got plenty. But mine says this. 
and I've got a bill come due and I need to make a, a withdrawal from my heavenly account. You see, first of all, I knew I had it there because I made a deposit. If you're not making deposits, you ain't got any money there. You may wish you had some. Best you can do is just cry out for mercy. But if you're making deposits, then you can you got a leg to stand on. Now, Lord, I've been doing what your word says, and you said you didn't have to say it. You just you came up with all this. This wasn't my idea. I didn't say I'll give you my life if you'll do these things. No, you said the, you would do all these things if I gave you my life. This is all your idea. This is not mine. I, don't, I was sold on it just missing hell. That was a good enough deal for me. But you turned around and you said that you desired for me to prosper even as my soul prospered and for me to be in health. Then as I, my soul was prospering to the things of God and what his word says, I began to start seeing truths and promises of what God said. And you know what? I chose to believe it more than the lies of this world. And so not only did I choose to believe it, I chose to act upon what I believed and did it. So I didn't have a problem standing there and saying, well, Lord, I know I got a money in the bank because I've been putting deposits there. So I understand this. We live this way. But do you realize that what will happen is, is you begin to prosper because you do this and you live this lifestyle. And all of a sudden, guess what? You're not having to make demands anymore. You know why? Because the word's working in your life. You've got more money now in your checkbook than you can spend. And so you start making more deposits. And you start helping others and doing this. But you know what you'll do if you're not careful? You'll forget to make withdrawals from your other account. And it just keeps building up bigger and bigger. And you know what? We're just as accountable for that heavenly deposit, that heavenly treasure, as we are for the money that we got here. And we need to recognize the fact that there is a heavenly account, if you are a tither, that you've got in heaven. You've been making investments. You've been giving to missions. You've been giving to the, to the poor. You've been doing things with that money. You've been putting it up there, but you haven't been making any withdrawals from it. And do we really think that God said, well, I'm sure glad you are because it's tied up here. I'm trying to help this bunch over here, and they're just, they're desperate. No, we're going to have to give an account. What did we do with what he gave us? We read in the scriptures where he talks about he gave one five talents and one two talents and one one talent, and, and we act like, and we look and say, yeah, he held them all accountable for what he'd given them. Well, he's given you talents as well, and you took it and you made heavenly deposits, right? Yet you never took any of it and put it to use. And we have to look back and say, hmm, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty. I've been guilty. And, he, and the Lord brought this to my attention when he said, see, my people are griping about the gas prices, but they won't make a withdrawal from their account. They'd rather talk fear and doubt and unbelief. And it's like, he let me realize, that, you know what? I know that the reason they're doing this is because they have forgotten about their heavenly account. Because they've been doing their giving, but they hadn't been doing their tithing. Say, What? They gave their amount of the tithe in the offering, but tithe, the tithe is not t the same as tithing. If you made $1,000 and $100 of it is your tithe, and you gave $100 over here in that offering basket, you gave a, a tithe, but that wasn't tithing. 
The tithing is what comes out of your mouth about that $100 you gave. Are you listening to me? Tithing comes from here. Lord, I bring you my offering. I'm bringing you my tithe. And I thank you that you receive it from me. And I'm proud to be able to do this. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I give it to the kingdom of God to be used however you see fit. And I thank you for the return upon that tithe. According to your word, Malachi 3. That's tithing. Dropping a check in the basket but you put money there, but you didn't tithe. You, you gave a tithe, but you didn't tithe. it's not tithing. Because tithing's done with your mouth. Not just your action. Are you hearing me? You see, because you're hearing yourself. You're making a, a proclamation. You're, you're declaring and decreeing what you're doing. That's part of the tithe. If you don't, maybe go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 26 about the tithe you'll begin to start seeing what I'm talking about. How he said, my fathers, well, my forefathers were, were Syrians and so forth, and you know they ended up in Egypt and so forth, and it goes through the whole thing about how they went about this. It's because it, they spoke it out. They declared what they were doing. Get back over to this. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where inflation and interest rates don't corrupt it and where thieves don't break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will also your heart be. Your heart's going to be where your treasure is. And this is the issue. And I want you to, to, to grab a hold of something. He says that there's three things here. There's a, uh, the, the treasures. There's the, uh, the treasures of, of, of heaven, and, and then there's the treasures of earth. And he says that there is a, uh, a, heart, a heart issue here. There's a good heart and an evil heart. And we'll, we'll go ahead and read on to, into that. Because it goes on down and it talks about, and there's two masters. And no man can serve two masters. There's, a, there's, the, there's God as a master. And then there's mammon, who can also be a master. It doesn't just stop there. It says, for where your treasure is, is where your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. And that goes in both directions. The light of the body, the illumination to your life is going to come through your eye, through your eye gate. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What you saw that sign, you saw that $100.99 on that gas pump. What is it saying to you? Are you following me? It's, it's causing you to think. And what thoughts are you thinking? And it says here, the light or the illumination of your life is through the eye. Now he goes and he says, now if your eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. In other words, if you've got a good eye, anybody here with a good eye? I got two good ones. He said, if you've got a good eye, it will be single. Now that word single basically means folded or in union with. So if you have uh, if you have a single or a good folded union walk with the Lord, then your whole life will be full of light of God's word. He says, if you'll do this, it's going to fill your life with good. Then he goes and he says, but if the eye be evil, and that word evil is not meaning 
uh, like the devil is evil, but evil being hurtful or mental pain, anguish. If your eye be of mental anguish, thy whole body will be full of darkness. And it, what he's saying there about full of darkness is going to be opaque is what it, what it says, which means that it's that the rays of God's word, the light, can't penetrate through the darkness to that area. It's like, hmm, until you make it happen, it won't work. The word also means benighted, which means to be involved uh, with darkness or overtaken by the dark. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. How did that darkness get there in my life? How did that get there? Has it always been there? Did it come through the way I was brought up as a child? That I'm in opposition to what God's Word says? That I'm living my life contrary to the truth of God's Word because I was raised to think this particular way which was wrong? How many of you know up until about 50 years ago, everybody thought money was evil? And about 50 years ago, people started reading what the Bible said, and it says it's for the love of the money. It's the root of all evil. But up until about 50 years ago, money was evil. Didn't nobody believe it because they kept working for it. But yet they would quote it. And it was their excuse for being poor. See how religious I am? I'm poor. I must be really holy. No, just your clothes are holy. Then he goes on and he says, and if you're in darkness, well, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? First of all, how do you remove this darkness? Let me tell you how you remove the darkness. The same way you remove anything else. The same way you get light is how, how the same way you got the darkness is the same way you get rid of it. You exchange it for light. You exchange the darkness, the wrong thinking, the things that this world is saying, and you exchange it to what did God say. And when you put more of what did God say in there, then that will become what you believe and how you live. And now what was darkness is now light. Are you following? That's how it works. But he said this, he says, if the darkness that's in you, if it's there, how great is that darkness? Now, I don't know about you. Well, years ago, that just really got me. Because I know that some of my thinking wasn't right. I knew, being a man growing up, and, and even today, I might be 67, about to be 68. I know it's not all perfect yet. My thinking is still being worked on. I'm continually renewing my mind to what did God's Word say. So my question is, is if that is not God's Word that I've been thinking and meditating on and how I approach things, then it must be darkness. And if it's darkness that I'm living my life by, like a fear or anxiety or worry or whatever it is, how great is that? How much impact is it having on my life? This is where meditating on the Word comes from. You heard the Word and you left out of here saying, Amen. And the Bible talks about it in James there, about how you get to church and and. You heard and you saw all of what God says about you and you left and forgot what manner of man you are. Huh? Why? Because you didn't meditate on it. 
You didn't sit back and think about it. You didn't get along with Holy Spirit and say, Lord, how does this apply to my life? And for years, I was doing things right, the act of the tithe, and I was even tithing, speaking it. But yet things didn't seem to be working in my life. And I wanted to know why. And I remember well in the ministry, serving, giving, doing everything I knew to do, living as holy as I, I, I mean, I didn't know how I could do any better. And I'd ride down the road, and I did what a lot of people do. I'd ride down the road, and I said, Lord, you know, if I had a million dollars, anybody ever done that? And you go to thinking about all the things you could do with that million dollars? about how you would bless this one and you'd buy so-and-so a car and, and how you take the pastor out to lunch, I'll go. And then, uh, you know, all these things are what you would do if you had a million dollars. Am I the only ones that ever rode down the road thinking that kind of stuff? I think everybody here has, right? You know why? Because we're good people and we want to do something with it. Well, first of all, let me just say this. A million dollars is not near as big as you might think, okay? But I will say this that it's still better than not having any money. I've been in both places. It's great. So here you are. You're right down the road. And I said this one more time. And you know God's hearing all this. He's heard every time you said, you know, Lord, if I had a million dollars, you begin to think about what all you would do with it. Well, one day I was riding down the road in my truck. This was about, whew, 30 years ago. I'm riding down the road. And I'm thinking, I had a million dollars. And the Lord spoke like he was sitting in the seat next to me. He said, what would you do with it? I said, well, uh, I'd be able to give more. And before I could say anything else, he says, Alan, he says, don't you tithe every dime you get? I said, yes, sir. Well, don't you give into offerings all, every time they get, take up an offering? Yes, sir. Don't you give every time there's an, a minister come to town? Yes, sir. Don't you give to the poor? Yes, sir. Don't you do this? Yes, sir. Don't you give your time all the time? Yes, sir. Don't you give your resources of your abilities and help people doing electrical work and plumbing and anything else? Yes, sir. He said, Alan, I'm pleased with you giving. Why don't you tell me why you really want the million dollars? And I'm looking for a way out of the truck. Because now I'm nailed. He's got me. I'm having to face something that I don't like facing. He said, why do you really want the million dollars? Tears swelled up in my eyes. I said, because I'm tired of worrying about money. See, it wasn't about giving. There was a piece of darkness within me that's what causing me to worry all the time and be in anxiety about money. And I didn't see it as darkness. When I had to realize it, there was this darkness. And you know what? God wasn't mad at me. When I said that because I'm tired of worrying about money, he says, well, hey, why don't we just deal with the worry in your life? He was excited took the edge off all of it. And from that day forward, we said, I said, okay. I thought it would maybe be about a 30-minute little talk. But it's been lasting now for 30-something years. Because he's constantly showing me what his word says about this. 
to bring me to a place where, Alan, you have as much now, right where you're sitting in this truck, at that moment, that you've got all of heaven back in you. What is it that you lack? What is it you have need of? You have well worth more than a million dollars. Why are you thinking this way? And he began to start showing or revealing to me what he's already done. And it began to change all of that darkness. See, light came in, darkness had to leave. There was an exchange that took place. Are you hearing? And all of this started right here today. We're going to wind it up right here with this. Is the fact that the world out there is speaking to you through the television, through the media, through the newspapers, through articles, through the people at the, at the water cooler, the people at the gas pumps. And can you believe this? Gives you an opportunity to say, yep, I sure can. And you know what? I'm going to burn every bit of it out and I'm going to come back and fill up again. Now say, do what? Say, I'm going to do it. Aren't you? And they'll say, well, you know what? Yeah, I am too. There's no reason to gripe about it. There's no really reason to walk and have the mully grip like, I don't know what we're going to do. You're going to do it anyway. Might as well say, well, thank you, Lord, that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I've done what you said. I've made my deposits in my heavenly account. And now I'm making a withdrawal. Say, so, well, how do you make deposits in that heavenly account? Give me another hour. First of all, there's the tithe. Okay? And the Bible says, right there in Malachi 3, verse 10. Well, actually, it goes back to verse 8. When he said, would a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you, God? He said, in tithes and offerings. Almost makes that like God's watching and saying that uh, he's, he's seeing that you're not tithing. You're not doing it. And you robbed him is what he calls it. He said, you're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, bring me all the tithes into the storehouse. There'll be meat in my house and prove me now. Prove it. I'm going to prove it to you, said the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed. You see, we look at it and we think that we're robbing God, and we are. But we're not robbing God of money because you're not taking any of it with you. Everything is still here that was here yet 50 years ago, 100 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or 5,000 years ago. There's no gold left this planet. It's all still here. All the silver is still here. You didn't rob any of it. But you did rob him of an opportunity to give to you. Right there in the Garden of Eden, he said, you, because you've sinned, you will now work by the sweat of your brow. You will eat because, by the sweat of your brow. What you can do is how you'll eat from now on. And he set the tithe up and made a way, even in Abraham's day, to get involved into your money, to where it can supersede what your ability is and move into what his ability is of opening the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing that you ain't got room to receive it all. 
Why? Because you dared to believe what he said concerning the tithe. Are you, you, you follow what I'm saying? See, you robbed him of an opportunity to give to you. He don't need what you got. You need what he's got. But when we fail to realize what's taking place in the tithe, we rob ourselves of an opportunity to get blessed. Now, Peter made mention about the fact that I was going to teach a course on finances. And I will. But don't think about coming to it if you don't want to hear what God has to say about it because you'll be disappointed. Most people have no idea what the tithe is even about. They think it's about keeping the power on or paying a mortgage payment or, dear God, let's blaze, get, let the preacher get a chicken for dinner tonight. And during the Depression, that's what they brought. Chickens. Because they didn't have no money. And bring the preacher chicken here, you can have chicken, you know. Maybe get some eggs out of him or something. When you realize that the tithe was set up, that the 12 tribes of Israel got land when they moved into the promised land, everybody got property, but the Levites got nothing. The Levites, God's people, they got two acres apiece, and that's all. They could, were, they could not go into business. They could not do anything but serve the temple and the people. And he says, you will get yours from the 12 tribes. That's how you will survive, by receiving from the other 12 for what you're doing in service to them and for them. Now, he went to the Levites and said, now, listen, I'm the one that's hired you. I'm the one that's responsible. And it's not up to these other 12 to meet your needs. I'm going to do it. Are you following me? But the 12, he told, if you will get in partnership with me to keep my word to this tribe of Levites, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You won't have room to receive it all. So when you're a tither, what you've really done is became a partner with God to keep his word to the priest, to the man of God. That's what you've really done. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be in partnership with anybody, I want to be in partnership with God. Now we've run out of time. What? Yeah. We'll pick back up next week. Okay. And at this time, what I want to do is let's just go ahead and let's pray first, and, and then we'll, we'll go into doing that. You may be here this morning with every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. You may be here this morning, and you realize, you know what? There may be some darkness in me that I didn't really think about before. There may be some things in my thinking, the way I perceive things, that's not in alignment with God's Word. And if that be the case, if you could consider that maybe that is a possibility then I want to encourage you to get along with God and get honest with Him. Whether it's fear or anxiety or worry or whatever it is that's holding you back, recognize that God's Word's true, and if it's not working in my life, it's got to be something in me. The devil's not powerful enough to hold back God's promises, so it must be in me. Be honest with yourself. 
And if that's you, take some time. Take some time quickly. Take some time right now to acknowledge it, but then do something about it at a later time where you can sit down undisturbed by telephone, by television, by internet or people and say, Lord, I want to walk in the fullness of what you've called me to be. And I recognize that there's things in my life that's holding it back. Please talk to me about it. Take me by the hand and walk me through it just like you've done with pastor and others. And Lord, I know that you'll never stop because you love me and there's things in my life that always need to be perfected and worked on. But help me, Lord, to spend some time with you where I can meditate upon your word and see how it affects my life and how I'm to do it and how I'm to walk it out. Make a decision today that you're going to be that person that seeks God's face. That you're not going to just walk out the door and say, okay, that was okay. But you're going to do something with that word. Because faith, real faith, comes by hearing. And hearing. And hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Take that time to go and seek him about it. God loves you. I love you. Marsha loves you. We enjoy serving you. We pray for you. We want you to be full and walk in the fullness of all that God has for you. So Lord, I just speak and declare blessings upon the people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.